That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Not great, Bob. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, January 17, 2023. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 727 of the Biden-Harris administration, 658 days until the 24th presidential election. Find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska. I've been posting lots of uh, videos, videos of me on Instagram, the Bob Seska. Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go. Patreon, BobSeskaShow.com. And sitting right over there, it's Buzz Burbank with the news. When you say Buzz Burbank. DeVolder. You've said it all. Is, is there an Anthony DeVolder here? <laughs> no? How about Anthony Zabrowski? Somebody, somebody was looking for George Santos. <laughs> All right. Hey, yeah. There you go. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm well, thank you, and I hope you are too. Uh, just for clarification, uh, you got to know the players. He's Bob, mm-hmm. I'm Buzz, and we've just been appointed as special counsels. <laughs> And you're a special counsel, and you're a special. <laughs> the troths are going to start now. We we got a we got a late start on the show today, and now I know why. Uh, routine scheduled maintenance, <laughs> just like the airlines. Yeah. Uh, man, man, there is no fool in that uh, Justice Department, is there? You you can't <laughs> no, get around no. those guys. No fool in the Justice Department for sure. I I see they have now found a classified documents in the home of the one man actually allowed to have them. <laughs> We've got more on that coming up later I, on the show. I would think so. Yeah. I, I want to say I have always taken uh, this uh, joke writing seriously, mm-hmm. which is why I was surprised to find these in the garage with my Prius. <laughs> Uh, I started. I did start working on my taxes over the weekend. I'm afraid, you know. I, I know the deadline's a couple of months away, but I worry about this. I, I got a three bedroom house. Where am I going to put eighty seven thousand IRS agents? <laughs> you have a spare bedroom. So, uh, so many Republican lies, right? Uh, yeah. And now they now they claim we're coming for their gas stoves. <laughs> Shit. Typical Republican response to science. They always want to just stick their heads in the ovens. <laughs> Such bullshit. Oh, and uh, Rocky Mountain Mike, our friend Rocky Mountain Mike, is excited about a new porn channel. Uh, but Missouri Republicans are worried about it. It's called the Bare Shoulders Channel. Speaking of Rocky hey, Mountain oh. Mike, yeah, here we go. Slappy Matt had some balls, so he groped a man. On the way to the airport, they're in a van. Said that Matt, he was getting slappy. 
to stop Matt from grabbing Mr. Happy. <laughs> the kids told the story how he tried, tried, tried. Said he didn't do it, but he lied, 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 lied. No, he couldn't stop Matt from grabbing Mr. Happy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah, Rocky Mountain yeah. Mike. Oh, man. Love that one. Perfect. Oh. Quality and quantity. <laughs> yes, job, indeed. Yep. I, it was only a matter of time before Mike would come up with something about. Uh, I love it. The great Matt Schlapp. That's my. That's see. This is the sound that Schlapp sounds like. Yes. Like whenever I say Matt correct. Schlapp, that sound pops into my head for some reason. Open the dictionary, you'll hear that. Yeah. Well, you know, CNN obtained a bunch of new text messages implicating Matt Schlapp <laughs> in these sexual assault allegations. And uh, this was uh, an exchange that happened contemporaneously, that happened around the same time as the pummeling of the junk occurred. <laughs> and so the staffer wrote to a friend via text message. He said, he's pissed that I didn't follow him to his hotel room. This is the staffer mm. talking about Matt Schlapp. Schlapp. Yeah. And then the friend wrote back, I'm so sorry, man. What a fucking creep. And then mm -hmm. the staffer later texted, quote, I just don't know how to say it to my superiors that their surrogate fondled my junk without my consent. So there it is. That's the the latest. That indicating that this is probably true. <laughs> and yeah. I don't think anyone doubted whether it was true. I think we've all been pretty much on board because this is kind of a thing, isn't it, Buzz? We, we're seeing yeah. Yeah, lots of stories about Republican sexual assault. Well, at the same time, they can't stop screaming about trans people in bathrooms. We we, we had to wonder at first when they first started calling uh, Democrats pedophiles and all of that. Uh, we had to where, where the hell did this come from? What yeah. this is like out of the blue? What are they? Well, now we know mm -hmm. it, it was to cover up their own misdeeds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, uh, why would they even bring it up if they weren't doing it themselves? And mm -hmm. they brought it up uh, seemingly groundlessly. Now we know why. <laughs> <laughs> Who once said that Schlapp, the last name Schlapp, Sounds like when a, a raw pork chop lands on a linoleum floor. Yes, yeah. it does. It does. Or or a beer from Wisconsin. It sounds like <laughs> one of new slap beer. When you say slap, yeah, you said you it all. Okay. Don't desecrate that jingle. Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. I, you know, I have a correction from last Tuesday. You know what? I call it a correction. It's sort of a semi-correction. More Edit like a clarification. Ed editors, yeah. editor's note. Editor's, editor's note. Yes. Bingo. There you go. Uh, Thank yes. you. Yeah. So last Tuesday, we were talking about the debt limit and how this was going to be a debate that was going to reach its climax mm -hmm. around September. Uh, leading yes. up to the new fiscal year that begins in October. Exactly. It was based on that, and that was everyone's knowledge at that point. I think that statement yeah. was true at that moment, to the best <laughs> of anyone's knowledge. And wouldn't it be great if it were? If we, we yes. could forestall this if all only. the way to Because, you know, it's never going to be September. It's like the old Jerry Seinfeld bit where he talks about no money down, no payments till June. Well, it's never going to be June. Well, <laughs> this is one of those things where yes. I was hoping that it would be put off that long. Anyway. The reality is, according to Janet Yellen, it's not going to be September. She should know. Yes. It's going to be Thursday. Thursday. God right. damn it. Unless this Congress coming acts. Thursday, right? Officially, the U.S. is expected, according to NBC News, hit the borrowing limit on Thursday. After that, the Treasury Department will use 
extraordinary measures, quote unquote, to keep paying the bills, which is expected to continue until early June when Congress will need to act. So and that's from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen telling uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy in a letter on Friday. So right yeah. right in the middle of your summer. <laughs> Bits of fecal matter may start arriving at the fan as early as uh, Friday of this week, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think we'll begin to see that storm begin there. But, uh, you know, Yellen says that, as she pointed out, uh, the government will take extraordinary measures, as it must, uh, to, to kind of keep things turning. The Republicans see this as the opportunity they've been waiting for. They've been queuing up to this. This is their opportunity, they think, to eliminate or cut uh, Medicare, Social Security. They're talking about raising the retirement age. Uh, they think this is really their opportunity to cut Medicare and uh, and uh, Social Security spending. And it's not really spending. It's it's paying the people back for yeah, what they earned. Yeah. But uh, this is they see this this is their opportunity to, to cut that and perhaps a lot of other government spending, especially on social programs they don't like. The, the Republicans have now put together what they think is an emergency measure, an emergency solution to this, which is, well, we just we fund some things and not others. Right. Well, it, you, we, we prioritize the, the payments. That's mm. what we'll do. Well, that does not, cannot, will not work. Yeah. There are thousands and thousands of government departments uh, the wheels will come off of government, vital government services if uh, the Republicans were to have any success. They won't, of course. They'll just make a big mess about it from the House where they have the majority, uh, but it won't get past the Senate or the president. Mm-hmm. So it, it will have this fight and nothing will get done. But the House is where spending is supposed to start. So if uh, something isn't worked out there and the prospects don't look good, we're screwed. If you really want to know the thing that's keeping me up at night, politically yeah. right now. I mean, there are lots of long-term problems, the climate crisis <laughs> yes, and so on. Of course. But when it comes to immediate political issues, this is the thing that's uh, kind of spooking me a little bit. And it's only because I have zero faith in the Rodeo Clown Caucus to do the right, right. thing. However, right. I have to bear in mind, and this is me talking myself off a ledge, Buzz. I have to bear in mind the fact that the margin is wafer thin in the House of Representatives. Mm, yes. They yes, don't is. have a whole lot of wiggle room to play with. So Only takes a few grown-up Republicans to fix this. Exactly right. And it may be one fewer Republican that will mm-hmm. need because yes. it's possible that by June, when, as we said, the schlap hits the fan, that may be uh, too late for George Santos. Exactly. George- I predicted that, remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. He may be out of Congress before that ever rolls around, leaving only four votes to pick up in order to lift the debt ceiling. And so I think there's a pretty good shot that some California Republicans would be willing to vote with the Democrats in order to raise the debt ceiling without cutting Social Security, without cutting Medicare, without doing whatever the hell else they want to do, firing Jack Smith. What is it? The whole, It's not the Holder rule. Holman rule. The, without using right. the Holman rule. That's the key here, too, is <laughs> that's one of the poison pills they're going to throw into this thing. They say, okay, yeah, cut Social Security, cut Medicare, and also fire Jack Smith, uh, fire Merrick Garland, defund the FBI, defund the IRS, and if you don't do that, well, it's economic calamity, which, by the way, they will then blame on 
Joe Biden and the Democrats. <laughs> yeah, they have some leverage here. They can yeah. do a, a bit of hostage holding here, and and we should be concerned about that because although they cannot succeed with their mission, mm. their main mission, yeah, they can fuck us up, mm. and they will. Yeah. They will do that uh, they, because to them that is also a win. Either they get their way or the place burns down, uh, and. and that's where we are with them. I, you know, it, it's not going to be pretty, and there may be government shutdowns. They may try to blame it, but uh, the uh, the Republicans are ultimately uh, to blame for this, and and will continue to be so. We have, uh, however, uh, I think six Republican votes in the House that will sometimes vote with the Democrats. That they may be the grown-ups in the room. You mentioned we only need four. It's nice to know there may be as many as six. Uh, so I, I think ultimately things will work out, but will things, will it be a, a shit show between now and then? Yes, it absolutely will. Yeah. And just to be absolutely clear too, it's more than just the chance of shutting down the government. I mean, we're talking about with the debt right. ceiling, a massive economic calamity as far yes. as yeah. recessions, higher interest rates, uh, certainly a crash in the stock market. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Our credit rating is going to get lowered once again. Again, which is going to throw all kinds of chaos into the financial system globally. You're going right. to have uh, the dollar collapsing as well, which means that there'll be a renewed call to stop making the dollar the worldwide standard. standard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so all kinds of awful, awful shit can happen. And that's why they use this to play this brinksmanship game. That's why they use right. it as a pawn and which they shouldn't be using it at all. This is the Republicans playing around with electricity. This is Republicans running with scissors and risking not only stabbing themselves, but stabbing everyone around them, too, with the scissors. You know, you know how the Democrats did so much better than we expected them to in the midterm elections? I think Democrats are going to do much better than we expect them to legislatively in these next two years. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank God there's a, a firm majority in the Senate because— yes. Meantime, the right. rodeo, rodeo Clown Caucus continues to whiz on the electric fence, and we know the rule. <laughs> don't whiz on the electric fence. Yeah, don't whiz on the debt ceiling fence either. <laughs> know what happens when you do. Stand back, stand by, get away from the goddamn yeah. debt ceiling. Do this, you remember what happens when you whiz on the electric fence? Yes, it burns your pee-pee, doesn't it? Exactly. That is exactly correct. <laughs> we discovered that last week. Uh, so obviously the long-term solution to this is to just get rid of this, uh, as a congressional football. And the, yeah. and the key yes. to that is getting Congress to relinquish this weapon that they've been using all this time. Mm -hmm. And, and which let's be clear about this. This is something that the Republicans have been weaponizing. This is not something that the Democrats, usually there's. You know, maybe a coalition of a couple of members of Congress who want their pet project passed, and they'll run up to the deadline with whatever that is. In fact, I think there was a West Wing episode about this years and years ago. Lawrence O'Donnell is an expert when it comes to this shit, and I think wrote an episode well, yeah, with the debt ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so sometimes that would happen, but it was never this kind of thing where you had an entire caucus say, hey, you know what? We're not going to lift the debt ceiling unless you completely decimate unless you nuke entitlements. Other than that, we're not going to do it. And even if they do it, even if Joe Biden agrees to cut Social Security and Medicare, they're going to say not good enough. You didn't. You don't want to cut it enough. That's not enough for us. We want more, more, more. And you have to give us more. And the key to all of this is 
they thrive. The Rodeo Clown Caucus thrives on chaos. Here's what people need to know, and I don't think the average person knows or at least thinks about this. The debt limit is a phony, made-up number that means nothing. <laughs> it's it's an artificial it's an artificial ceiling to spending. You can't do this. If there's a quake in California, we don't say, "Oh, gee, we better check with the debt limit first yeah, before yeah. we run rush to their aid." Uh, that's not how government works. Government is not a business. It's not supposed to be like a business. That's another idea we have to get out of people's heads because mm -hmm. that idea still exists. Uh, but the debt limit is a phony, made-up number. And the more we call out that that emperor, the debt limit, has no clothes, it's phony, Yeah. Uh, the, the more we point that out, the, the better understanding people will have of what we're talking about here. Of course, and I still can't believe that there are people who are ignorant to that. There yeah, are, well, and, and there we're are. talking about I mean, Republicans. They don't think about it. Yeah, well, they would rather think that the debt limit is something to do with future spending. It has they would rather to do with not... Yeah, they it, would rather not think at all, yes. It has everything to do with past spending and, most importantly, right. investments in the United States. People who bought treasury right. bills and made investments into the federal government when, of the United States. Which when, when you when you get a car, you, you have to go get a loan in most cases to get that car. When you go to get a house, you have to go get a loan. The government has to occasionally make big purchases that it needs credit for. It's no different yeah. than you in that respect. We're talking about... Regular people who yeah. maybe bought their children uh, savings bonds and nations like China and other nations who also invest in the United States and would like to see dividends from those investments. And I underscore as I'm talking about this, and I mean, listen to myself talking about this. I'm not an economist. This is my layperson's analysis of the debt ceiling based on what I've read and what I've studied. But generally speaking, this is kind of what we're talking about. Obviously, talking about government spending rolling over, rolling into the national debt. But we're also talking about, as I've been saying, this uh, this human investment into the uh, federal government. And that's an, important, right. that's an important distinction. When you make an investment into a company and you want to sell that stock, you expect to be paid. Or you expect to earn interest on some sort of investment you've made in an IRA or something like that. And when that doesn't happen, suddenly the rating of who you're investing in drops way down because they're operating in bad faith. And right. so that's, it, and that's what would happen to the United States economy, which happens to me. I mean, we're a superpower. We're at the centerpiece of the global economy right here. And these idiot Republicans are taking one of those metal bars and kneecapping us. I, exactly. And, and I'm not an economist, but I channel them. Uh, <laughs> you, you, what we were just talking about, you were just talking about the government's need to invest in the future. And its need it's, it needs the ability to borrow money to invest in the future yeah. the same way people do when they save or and, and borrow to, to buy a house. Mm -hmm. they're, they're investing in their future with money they don't have yep. when they invest. When they, uh, invest money for uh, their children's college education. They're investing in the future with money they don't have if, they, if they're borrowing money to do so. And, and so uh, just like people, the government needs the ability to borrow money. And you can't, you can't turn to your mortgage company and say, listen, I would love to pay you guys, but I've reached my debt limit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know what would happen to your credit if you did? Well, that's what's going to happen to the government if Republicans don't stand in the way as they intend to do. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Here's what's going to happen. If the debt ceiling does not get lifted, the aforementioned fire and brimstone, dogs and cats sleeping together, mass hysteria, and so on. The problem there is 
if our credit is shot as a nation, mm-hmm. how do we pull ourselves out of that economic calamity? Where does the money come from to spend to yank us out of the pits of wait, despair, the, the Great wait, Depression that would occur as a consequence of that? Wait, we, we, we hope maybe there's a rich country somewhere that didn't hear about this. Maybe they'll... Uh, Lotus the money, yeah, yeah. I, we, 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 the world knows, and exactly. that that's going to make it very hard on the U.S. Yeah, and then a lot of other nations would get wrapped into the undertow, would get sucked in uh, yep. to. As you see this Titanic sinking. That, we were that, counting that on whirlpool. You. Yeah, yeah. Help us, please. They go underwater, <laughs> and so uh, that's why it's so important to have that borrowing capability to be mm-hmm. able to pull us out of economic climate. The way we were able to get out of the Great Recession is by spending our way out of it. And the federal government, unlike a business, is in a unique position to spend us out of an economic calamity like that. It infuses cash into the economy at a time when businesses and consumers aren't doing that. And that's why it's so important to have solid, rock-solid credit. And what they want to do, what the Republicans want to do, is roll the dice on that. It's incredible the high stakes they're playing with here and what will happen out of that. And all they see, all they see is, first of all, getting rid of all the benefits that emerged out of the New Deal. Social Security, eventually uh, Medicare on top of that. Once they've killed that... What they want to do is to be able to say, well, the economic collapse as a consequence of missing this is entirely the Democrats' fault. So never vote for another Democrat again. Otherwise, you're asking for yet another economic uh, uh, downturn, another economic meltdown. Let's talk about the Democrat who's in office right now. Uh, From uh, his remarks of October 21st of last year, Uh President Biden said, and, and this is true. Today, my administration announced that this year, the deficit fell by $1.4 trillion, the largest one-year drop in American history, $1.4 trillion decline in the deficit. This is the largest in history. And and people need to understand that the deficit and the, the, the debt limit are two different things. Yes. If you're worried about government spending, I have good news for you that should calm you the F down about everything that's happening here. And that is that the deficit is down by $1.4 trillion, the largest one-year drop in American history. So uh, we're not going to hear any arguments about the nation's debt. We need to raise the limit to borrow money to continue to invest in our futures the same as any American family, period. Just to give you an idea of what $1.4 trillion means. All right. When Barack Obama took office in 2009, the Mm -hmm. uh, budget deficit for that same year, for fiscal year 2009, ended up being... $1.4 $1.4 trillion. That was right. the entirety of the federal budget deficit. Right. Joe Biden was able to cut that much within his first two years. He, he's old. <laughs> That's right. Joe Biden's Maybe, old, so fuck everything. Biggest, some of the biggest accomplishments of any American president in history, but he's old because that's what we're hearing about. Yes. I'm so I'm so sick of that. Uh, all you have to do is look at the numbers. A $1.4 trillion deficit reduction, and you're whining about spending, <laughs> and you're, you're whining about the debt limit, which is an artificial made-up number. These are the things people need to focus on as we go into this mud fight. And also the Republicans, going back to what you were saying a, a couple of seconds ago, the Republicans are counting on the fact that most people following this story don't understand the difference between the deficit and the debt. They're right, two distinctive things where, they yes, are. the federal budget deficit adds into the debt, but they're two separate numbers. 
It's not. They're and one, often of, using and one of those numbers is made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll never forget in 2012 where Mitt Romney was talking about how Barack Obama promised to lower the the debt. Instead, uh-huh. he inc- he doubled it. But Mitt Romney was talking about the national debt. He wasn't talking about the deficit. And Barack Obama promised to lower the deficit. And did. Not the debt. And did. And absolutely yeah. did. In fact, every Democratic president in recent history, I think I can go back to, God, maybe it was uh, Eisenhower was the last Republican to do this. But mm-hmm. every subsequent Democrat, especially two-term Democrats, have lowered the budget deficit over the course of their presidencies, while every Republican president has seen so, an increase in the budget deficit over the, the course of their presidencies. So as Bob indicated, we're not listening to this. Democrats are to blame crap. <laughs> right, right. Now it's just a matter of getting the word out to swing voters and independent voters and making it sure is. they well, know job. these distinctions. <laughs> yes, because I think we're all on board. I think... Democrats, generally speaking, are on board as far as the stakes of all of this and what it means and, and You'd be how surprised. it defines. I mean, yeah, we, we have a lot of friends, but but uh, we have to remember that not all of them uh, are that well informed. Maybe they're not able to for one reason or another. They're they're busy lives and such, and they don't uh, they don't they're, they're like me, turned off by numbers uh, mm-hmm. and 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 don't want to hear about the deficits and debt limits and yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. So they tend to tune that out, or their eyes glaze over because they just don't think they care that much. So you'd be surprised even on, on among Democratic voters how many people are not aware of these basic facts. So in addition to economic terrorism, Buzz, which I would uh-huh. kind of categorize this yes. debt oh, ceiling yeah. fight, the brinksmanship that always Holding accompanies hostage. it. Yeah, yeah uh, it's a form of economic terrorism because the stakes are the collapse of the economy. That's basically right. what we're talking about here. Yeah. And that affects myriad lives. Well, at the same time, we've got actual terrorism. And I wish the press would call it that. I wish they would start using the T word to describe these instances, because what we're talking about here is, to me, what is defining the modern political civil war. This is what political civil war looks like. And I'm talking about this story out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, where there's this former Republican candidate for House District 14 Uh, in 2022, who was arrested Monday by Albuquerque police. He's accused of paying and conspiring with four men to shoot at the homes of two state legislators and two county commissioners. Those legislators and commissioners happen to be Democrats. It is believed that he's the mastermind behind the shootings that happened in December and early January, Albuquerque Police Chief Harold Medina said in a news conference. Pena will now face charges related to four shootings, a December 4 incident at the home of Bernalillo County Commissioner Adrian Barboa, a December 8 shooting at the home of incoming uh, State House Speaker Javier Martinez, a December 11 shooting at the home of then Bernalillo County Commissioner Debbie O'Malley, and a January 3 shooting at the home of State Senator Linda Lopez, police said in a news release. And before the shooting, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, and, and in one of those shootings, uh, bullets, uh, three bullets went into the bedroom of a 10-year-old girl who was sleeping in that room at the time. Uh, and, and let me just interject here that uh, there, there have been actually six uh, such shootings uh, in recent months. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, in, and, and 
I don't know. We don't know yet. Police have only charged this guy with four of them. He he may be connected to the other two, or they may be copycats. We don't know. Yeah. But uh, and also, just before you continue, what is terrorism? Terrorism is inducing terror in others. Yeah. And the whole purpose of this, the purpose of shooting into the homes of six Democratic elected uh, officials in in New Mexico. Uh, that that was done for one main purpose. There may have been an intent to harm, and you could certainly argue that in the case of the ten-year-old girl. But but what it was really about was inducing terror. What it really was about was frightening all Democratic elected officials. Yes, and that by definition is terrorism. So are we uh, screaming like banshees uh, about terrorism? No. Uh, we've given you the clear definition of what it is, and this fits that, in my opinion, perfectly. This is a message sent not just to these uh, local Democratic politicians, but to every Democrat right. serving in office right now. And to me, that's what defines it, as as you were saying, defines it as, as being terrorism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before the shootings, Pena, back in November, after losing the election, had approached one of the legislators and some county commissioners at their homes with paperwork that he said indicated fraud, was involved in the election. So rigged election, that's who this guy is. That guy's one of these losers who thinks he lost because the election was rigged against him. He supports uh, Trump 2024. Absolutely. An investigation confirmed these shootings were indeed politically motivated. That's according to Albuquerque Mayor Tim Keller. Uh, Right wing. Yeah. At the end of the day, this was about a right wing radical, an election Mm -hmm. denier who was arrested today, and someone who did the worst imaginable thing you can do when you have a political disagreement, which is turn that to violence. This That's is a, a totally accurate and true statement from... Mayor Keller, yeah. May, the mayor. Of yeah, the he, he yeah. continued by saying, we know we don't always agree with our elected officials, but that should never, ever lead to violence. And this is something we've been talking about here on this show for some time now, Buzz, which is that sure. the parameters of our political debate in this country, the discourse is moving into this new and dangerous territory, this in-your-face style, where instead of convincing someone that they're wrong based on facts and a persuasive argument. Instead, now, you have to convince them at the point of a gun. You have to terrorize them. You have to make them fear for their lives in their homes. You have to... Uh, stalk them and show up outside their houses and show up in restaurants shouting them down. This is where things begin to disintegrate, where it turns into this constant uh, cycle of action and retaliation. And then the retaliation gets retaliated against. And it escalates and escalates and escalates to the point where it could reach a point of no return, quite honestly. I, I could. Our what could stop it? Let's let's pause okay, for a moment. Good, think good question. What what could stop that? I think exactly what we have seen so far, and that is swift and decisive action by yeah. law enforcement. Yes. Period. Yeah. Swift and decisive action by law enforcement. There have been two SWAT raids. Uh, the, the, the 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 organizer, the mastermind, who also pulled the trigger in at least one of the incidents, apparently, allegedly, mm-hmm. and then and then another uh, man, one of the individuals allegedly hired by this individual to uh, shoot into these homes, at least one of these homes. Apparently there were four other guys all together, so there'll be other arrests. Two SWAT, this swift and decisive action, these SWAT raids by the police to zero in on these guys immediately and lock them up uh, to get them off the streets, that's the best message we can send yeah. about 
this trend toward political violence. And it's a lesson the Justice Department in Washington could learn from. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're no longer in the pre-Trump era. There's an entire wing of the political discourse in this country that has absolutely been radicalized. Kimberly and I were talking about this last night. I was finally on Joe Walsh's show on Monday. Yes, uh, I know. Congratulations. <laughs> and I, yeah. I want to talk about that more, but, but to stay on topic. Yeah. And I, the thing that I forgot to mention to him, because we yes. were debating, I debated oh, I Joe that. Walsh about the so-called liberal media. He and says it is, you say it's not. And exactly. Right. And my friend uh, and editor, uh, Ben Cohen, was there too. And so it was uh -huh. me, me and Ben versus Joe. So right. a little bit lopsided on our behalf, but regardless. Uh, even then, even with the help of Ben Cohen, I completely forgot to mention one of the most uh, dangerous things that's happening out there is the fact that the Sinclair Media Group, is it the media mm -hmm. group? But it's Sinclair, Sinclair yes, Broadcasting. Uh, it's a company that owns a bunch of TV stations, local TV stations, and and from their evil uh, headquarters underground somewhere, yeah. uh, they, they, they pump prop propaganda into your local TV stations. Exactly right. So you've got around 200, God, I want to say 280 Sinclair stations across yeah. the country in around 80 markets. So there are more than one Sinclair outlet in some of these uh, broadcast markets. That's it what's might scary. be yeah. the biggest network. Yeah, exactly right. And that's one of the things that we often overlook when we think, well, Anderson Cooper's bias or, or uh, Sean Hannity, what the, what's going on there with cable news? The real negative influence is happening at the local level, whether People. it's, well, I mean, certainly talk radio has something to do with it, but also local television, local news owned by Sinclair Broadcasting is radicalizing all these people to believe that this, what happened in New Mexico, mm -hmm. this is the kind of politics that they need to uh, start to employ. Right. This politics of terrorism, this political violence. civil war, political violence. And where else can they go? They're constantly being told that the greatest threat to the United States, the greatest threat, this came from Bill Barr, the former attorney general, said mm -hmm. that the greatest threat to the United States is the progressive agenda. Yeah. If you're constantly yeah. bombarded with that message. And no Sinclair viewers are all across the country. <laughs> yeah. No wonder people are shooting at power stations and shooting at Democratic and, homes and uh, doing these acts of political violence. They're radicalized and, to that point. And, and, and if you think people don't watch uh, local news, you're wrong. Uh, even people who, quote, hate the news media yeah. watch their local news. They want to know about the fires and the crime and all of that. Uh, and, and so they, they tune into those things. And you've got Sinclair in its dark underground bunker uh, <laughs> sending uh, evil propaganda uh, literally to these stations and forcing them to air it. And these are, in many cases, popular stations that carry popular networks and popular shows. Uh, they get eyes, and uh, there's very much reason to be concerned about the activities of Sinclair Broadcasting. So I think one of the things that we're going to be discussing on an ongoing basis, and we've already kind of started, is the idea of how 
this will ever possibly end. How this nuclear bomb can be disarmed before it explodes. So, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the best deterrence is swift and, and immediate, uh, a swift and certain law enforcement action. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, the Justice Department in Washington could and should set this example. We just need to stop tolerating this crap, and we need to come down on it hard and quickly, exactly the way Albuquerque police ultimately did last night in two SWAT raids. But, I mean, how do you roll back things like Sinclair Broadcasting owning 280-something network stations? That's that's one of the things that I'm thinking about. Like, how do you roll that back? How do you roll back the influence of the Daily Wire and uh, the Fox News primetime shows, et cetera, you know? At at the grassroots level, and and I'm serious about this, uh, radio and TV stations are required by law to keep on file the letters that they get, and the FCC uh, can look at those letters. And so it would uh, not be wrong to look up uh, your local TV stations and mm-hmm. find out which ones, if any, are owned by Sinclair and get your letter into their file. Yeah, uh, you, They'll make an announcement about it once a year in a really boring sort of PSA thing that they <laughs> run. Uh, but but uh, it, you can do it year-round. And and uh, so I would recommend that. You can contact the FCC. Uh, I, I, I just think we need to start making noise about it, start pointing it out. Yeah. I don't think we can solve the problem until we admit we have the problem and uh, then point to the problem, and if that doesn't get it done, point louder. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a a whiplash-inducing segue to go from this act of political terrorism or the series of acts of political terrorism in New Mexico right over to Sinclair Broadcasting, but I think they go hand-in-hand to an extent Mm -hmm. where it's a result of the radicalization of a significant cross-section of American adults. You know, there there may be things we can do legislatively, although I I don't know, you know, that that First Amendment is rather tricky, uh, Mm -hmm. but, but at the same time, you know, you, I, I still argue, and those there are many who disagree with me. You cannot yell fire in a crowded theater when there yeah. isn't one, and and uh, I think uh, we may be able to get them on that those grounds. Uh, just uh, promoting selling uh, essentially of false information. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there ought to be something we can do. Uh, but but as individuals at the grassroots level, uh, find out who the Sinclair station is, and if you can avoid watching them, do so. Yeah. And uh, whatever you do, uh, get a letter into their file, write your congressman, write the FCC, uh, and let's start coming down. It's a, you know, as I was saying before the election, you know, we a lot of times we can't count on our institutions. A lot of times we can't count on, on individuals, elected individuals. A lot of times we can't count on the media. We can count on ourselves. Yeah. We have ourselves. That's the one thing we can always count on mm-hmm. when all else fails. And so we, we do have to think about, you know, what are the resources available to me? What can I do uh, to, to make this change? Uh, aside from that, I would hope for legislative action or FCC action or something. Parental controls at your MAGA parents' house. That's right. <laughs> that's one of the solutions. See, Honest to God, I, that's got to be I the know. thing. Blocking those channels on their TV when they're not looking, using the parental controls. Maybe. But at one, maybe one point with my dad, my, our relationship was such that if I had done that, he would have known who would have done it, and I know him well enough to know that he would have called the cable company and had the guy come out and, unpl- and, and unblock it. 
Yeah. Uh, he, he would make a service call just for that. Uh, so it wouldn't have worked in my case, but I have heard many cases where it did, and I applaud the people who were able to get away with it. <laughs> exactly. couple of days waiting for cable news without them being subjected constantly to Fox News Channel and Sinclair uh, TV stations and so on. It's probably beneficial, even if it's for just a couple of days waiting for the yeah, cable there's, guy. There, there's, there's so much of it now, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. uh, I know how we all feel about Chuck Todd, and he had a little uh, a little <laughs> dust up with uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Not bad. Not Wisconsin's bad for Chuck. Ron Johnson. Yeah. yeah, and he did okay. He could have done better, but then that's Chuck, you know. <laughs> uh, but but and, and then I saw a clip today of uh, Ron Johnson ran over to Newsmax, which is another one to uh -huh. be very concerned about because it's available on platforms and Yep. And, uh, and on cables systems. So, and and he talked about how well I've I've never seen a national news anchor be so insulting to an elected senator. <laughs> yes, before. never, ever, ever. Or oh, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Oh, these whiny diaper babies. Oh my God. Okay, we got lots more to talk about here. We got to dig into the latest about the Biden documents and uh, <laughs> talk about that. Plus. I want to uh, say a few things about this Keenan Anderson video. We talked about this on Friday's After yeah. Party, but I want to yeah. repeat some things here for the uh, free show audience uh, regarding that story sure. and just the utter tragedy of, of this happening once again, the overreaction by the police, and maybe why police are overreacting like that. I think we know some of the reasons, but so we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. But first... Here's the best way to listen to The Bob Seska Show without all these goddamn commercials, just like the one I'm reading right now. <laughs> just go right now to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Show. Scroll down to the link for the ultimate edition of the podcast and sign up for just $15 a month. So if you sign up for the ultimate edition, you're going to be paying $15 a month for that privilege and in exchange for your generous support. We're going to give you a completely commercial-free version of the Tuesday show, the Wednesday show, the Thursday show. I sit here after we're done recording, and I go through the entire uh, podcast, and I take out all the commercials for you, uh, for all of our uh, Ultimate Edition subscribers. Plus, in addition to that, you get the Shadow Docket show every Tuesday and Thursday included in that level of support. And in fact, what we do is we present it all, the Ultimate Edition is the free show without commercials and the shadow docket in one big mega show. That's why we nice. call it the ultimate edition. You're talking about an hour and a half plus of the Bob Seska show that you can listen. Say you've got an hour and a half commute to work every day. Well, this is going to take you door to door. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we'll be there with you. But wait. You're also yes. going to get the Friday after party with me and Kimberly Johnson included in that level of support. In other words, for the ultimate edition, you get commercial free shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You get the shadow docket on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you get the after party on Friday. All that for $15. Just go to uh, bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. And we thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Bob Seska. Can we just listen to this for like another minute and a half? Oh my God. The great Young Gun Silver Fox. And a song called Mojo Rising. (laughs) Yeah, this is so good. This is from their uh, AM Waves album. Link in the description to download this. Every time I play Young Gun Silver Fox, man, everyone goes bananas for it. This goes into our Yacht Rock playlist. Yeah, modern Yacht Rock. Yeah. This stuff sounds like it was torn directly from 1979. That's why I love it so uh, much. It Just feels like you and I should be out on a boat in the Gulf. That's oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, that's one of the things people assumed about me and Kimberly. Kimberly did a whole theme on her podcast about things people assume about her and I as a couple. Right, right. And, and one of the things was Bob likes Yacht Rock and Kimberly uh-huh. likes heavy metal. And it turns out I like both heavy metal and yacht rock, mm-hmm. and Kimberly doesn't really like either. Maybe a little bit of yacht rock. You know? Yeah, I think she yeah, does like a little bit of yacht rock. What so. kind? Of, what kind of music does she like? I'm just curious. Um, you know, she loves Fleetwood Mac. She's really into yeah, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. She, you know, she's just she's really into pop music. She just loves yeah. the, the the hits. She loves to play the hits. I know. Yeah, she and I share a love of Cat Stevens. I know that. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but the one that pops into my head first and foremost when it comes to Kimberly is uh, is Fleetwood Mac. She also likes. Uh, Super Tramp and so many other uh, classic rock bands. Just anything that was on the radio at some point, she's really into. And, and for some reason, has an incredible, almost savant-like memory for the lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, she does. Yeah. Every time we're in the car and the, the radio's on, she's singing along to a song that I've never heard before and nailing if, every single word. Strange. If you follow Kimberly uh, on Twitter, and you should, yeah, uh, Kimberly Johnson, she uh, posts segments of lyrics from time to time. I think just as they come to her, that they, if if it's a a section of lyric that uh, sort of sums up how she feels at that yeah. moment, yeah. Uh, so it's it's fun to see. I enjoy those. You know who else? She loves the music Ooh. of Nick Lutzko. She's a big fan of Nick, Nick Lutzko. <laughs> yeah, well, and to, to the point where she memorized the Spirit Halloween song by Nick wow. Lutzko. Yeah, she memorized wow. it top to finish. In fact, there <laughs> we talked about this a lot on the after party. Well, I want to so hear that. For yeah. those of you who listen to the after party, you know this. But uh, there were maybe two, three weeks where every evening as I was wrapping up here in my office, Kimberly would be in the living room on her laptop uh-huh. With her headphones on, right. singing as loud as she possibly could, <laughs> along with the Spirit Halloween song by Nick Lutzko. Yeah, so well, I would I would love to hear a recording of that. I would love to hear. <laughs> yeah, well, we did it on the show. I played the yeah. song. Oh. I played the Spirit Halloween song, uh, and, and, and she, she was able along? to sing along with oh, it, excellent, word excellent. for word. 
<laughs> of course. So much fun. That's the after party. By the way, you can get that if you sign up for $15 a month, get the ultimate edition, includes the after party, or you can just sign up for $10 a month, and that gets you the after party and the Shadow Docket shows. All right. Cool. Patreon.com slash Bob Seska show. The uh, Biden document story continues on and on and on. And oh. Yeah, uh, the false equivalences it, and the hair on fire screaming from the Republicans well, uh, about it. Like I said in the monologue, this is the one guy who's actually authorized to have them. Yeah. And in fact, uh, Obama, as president, signed an executive order that gave uh, Biden the power to declassify, uh, which is what uh, Trump supporters have been claiming about him, that he had the power to declassify. Yes. Well, guess what? So did Joe Biden. And, and the fact that these are, you know, and, and the worst outcome of this is going to be, and I, I don't side with the skeptics on most of these things, but I think they're right when they say this will result in the non-prosecution of Donald Trump in the documents case. I just, I, I know it's different. But I, I, you know, the what the argument I've heard is that the Justice Department has nothing if it doesn't have credibility with the American people. And I, I think in an attempt, right or wrong, to get that credibility, uh, they're going to back off of Trump So uh, because th there is nothing on Biden. Because there is no case against Biden, they, they, I think, I'm afraid, Justice feels it's going to have to back off on Trump. We still have other things we can get him on, but that's what I see right now. I am still unsure about that. I still believe that Jack Smith, for his part, is going to plow forward on this because he of might, all the might. distinguishing aspects of it that make yes. it differ from the yes. Biden document story. The question is whether Merrick Garland will authorize the indictments to be handed right. down. So right. that, that, I think, remains a question mark because mm -hmm. there are political considerations at the attorney general level that don't necessarily exist at the special counsel level. Sadly, yes. Yeah, yeah and that's... Yeah, but there's still plenty. Uh, there's there's still the January sixth case, and uh, that's that's not over yet. Well, that's, I, I, yeah, and I used to close in. I still believe that Donald Trump will be indicted for these documents, uh, at the very least, I for so. ob obstructing the investigation. I think it that will different. be a real thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is. I know the difference. Yes, mm -hmm. indeed, he should be. He should be. Right. But uh, again, political considerations. It'll be interesting to see what actually happens. I I think you're right about Jack Smith, uh, but but I think we are also right to be. Uh, concerned about what uh, Mary Garland might decide, um, but uh, the two cases are, are so different, and there's just no way. And the media is so culpable in this. It's the Biden documents scandal. It's the documents affair. No, it's none of that stuff. Uh, you know, it, 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 this is nothing. He, they, we found them. We turned them over immediately. End of story. Not at all the same as mine, which is what we got from <laughs> Trump. Yeah, that's the thing that's happening right now. It's exactly what I've been predicting all along as far as how the, many segments of the news media end up inflating a minor scandal to the same level as, for example, all of the myriad Trump scandals. Uh, I used to talk about during the 2020 election cycle about how if Elizabeth Warren is the nominee, the Native American thing is going to get amplified to the same level as 25,000 Donald Trump documented lies. That's right. how the news media operates. In this case, right. the non-scandal scandal of the Biden documents, they're being being inflated to the same level as the Trump documents, which they're two very, very 
vastly different situations here. And, and in many cases, the press is pointing out the differences between the two, but not in the headlines, and mm, headlines are no. what people see. Exactly right. And I can't stop going off about how irresponsible that is, and I did right. that, frankly, all last week. But one of the things uh, CBS News did the other day was do kind of a recap of what we're talking about here in terms of what the documents even are, the mm -hmm. Biden documents specifically. And in this story, let, let me just read this. This is just a couple of sentences here about what we're talking about, just to be perfectly clear about the scope of this. The approximately 10 documents marked classified and discovered at the Penn Biden Center included top secret material according to a federal law enforcement official familiar with the investigation. Top okay. secret is the highest of three basic levels of classification, confidential, secret, and top secret. A leak of top secret information could cause exceptionally grave damage. They were sure to mention that. Fewer than 10 documents marked classified were found at the Biden residence in Wilmington, and none of those documents were marked top secret. Right. In all, the source said the total number of known documents marked classified is roughly 20 between the two locations. Well, obviously, the Trump documents, 10 times as many Trump documents, right. many more yes. Trump documents labeled top secret. Uh, there were empty folders among the Trump documents indicating that top secret information belonged in those folders. But where are the documents? We still don't know. Were they in the other boxes? Maybe. Did Donald Trump take them out and give them to people framed as a gift? Maybe. I mean, God only knows. And the late, and, the, and the, the wording, I mean, the latest revelations in the Biden uh, documents affair. Yeah. The revelations, my ass. You know, you're making it, you're giving it that scandalous air. You're making it sound scandalous when it's nothing of the kind. Yeah. It was, it, it was I saw somebody said, uh, I went to the store and uh, the bag boy uh, put some return items in my bag by mistake. I got out to the parking lot, discovered the items that w weren't mine, and uh, took them back into the store. That's what Biden did with the documents. Mm -hmm. right. they, someone else right. packed them away. He, he carted them off. Uh, as soon as it was found that he had them, he immediately yeah. gave them back. Uh, no empty folders, uh, like Bob was just talking about with Trump. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing nefarious about this. Oops, found them. Here they are. No delay, as opposed to Trump saying that they were his, that they had looked and they found them all, and then they lied and they defied subpoenas, and that prompted a raid on Mar-a-Lago. This is not that, uh, and and but it's being played like that. It's being played like both sides, uh, mm -hmm. and and it just isn't that. How do we go six years without these documents being discovered prior to just <laughs> the other day, prior to whatever it was November? How how do we go that long? I don't understand that. And how do we go so long without the National Archives even knowing that they were gone? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It may be time to start asking that question. Yeah, uh, that they had they hadn't noticed some of these things missing, uh, and maybe all of the things they had no idea yeah, all right. of these documents were missing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they I think they knew about some of the Trump documents. I mm -hmm. think they knew there was oh some that things. yeah oh they, that, yeah they absolutely knew that with with Trump they knew there was the Kim Jong Un yes. letter, the love letter, and all that. They, they, there was a, a list of things that they knew that uh, boxes Trump had. of things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, they did not know who, uh, that. Trump had taken some of those things, and they did not know of the fact that any of the Biden documents were missing. So, right. yeah, after all this uh, 
heroism by the uh, National Archives, it, it may be time for them to look inward as well. So last week, I mentioned offhandedly as we were discussing the early days of this story, and I said kind of flippantly, and I apologize for this, it was kind of just a, a fuck you to the idea that this idea that uh, that the documents were planted by maybe disgruntled pro-Trump Secret Service agents or whomever. I joined uh, you in that. Yes, I yeah. was dismissive of it as well. Yeah, I just, uh, God, I, I can't buy into that. And now that some of these questions have come up, like, how did the National Archives not know? How did the Biden team not know that those documents were there? How did nobody know until suddenly they were found? Why suddenly... In November of all times, November 2nd, why on earth at that point would Biden's team start looking through uh, boxes of documents and sifting through all of those things? Why didn't that happen sooner? And so this leads me to believe that it's possible that there were there was some sort of hinky behavior going on here, that there was some sort of uh, planting of evidence going on here. And so I'm well, kind of backing away a little bit. Let's take a baby step back from my strident point of view from last week. I don't I don't know that I would go that far. I, I think what happened, well, first of all, the Trump documents had been in the news, and, and so there was some sensitivity to that. And because the lease was running out or the rental agreement or whatever it was on that Biden office uh, where those uh, first documents were found, uh, the lease was ending. And so they said, oh, we better, we haven't used this in a couple of years. Biden was going to return to it, uh, uh, other people, but when he became elected president and there were other pressing matters, as you'll recall, uh, they didn't get around to it. And now that the lease or whatever is running out on that office, they decided November, uh, because it was running out at the end of the year, they before the holidays, we better get in and get that stuff out. Boom, that's when they found the documents in a box with a bunch of other stuff, I mm-hmm. would presume. Uh, this was boxed material. Uh, that just it got sealed up from the uh, vice president's residence or his office, or rather, in the White House and, and was shipped to this office. Uh, apparently, some of the stuff got taken home as well. It was the stuff that was in the garage. Well, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. I don't even know that the, you know, the box may have been sealed for all we know because, uh, you know, they, I think it was the sensitivity. And the, once they found those initial documents, they thought, whoops, we better look for some more just to make sure we've turned everything over. We don't want to be with our pants down. Yeah. And they're being punished for it by the press and ultimately, I suspect, by the public. There will be, make no mistake, and largely thanks to the media, uh, Biden will pay a political price for this. Democrats will pay a political price for Fuck. this screw-up. I, I really think so. I, however, it comes at a time where Biden's popularity is rising because of the economy, because, again, people vote and have their gut feelings based on dollars and cents. And the better the dollars and cents are, the more they're satisfied with their president. So his numbers are going up. Uh, Folks, clowns like McCarthy, uh, their numbers are going down. So uh, although we're going to take a political hit from this, we've got two years. Uh, There's plenty, $1.4 trillion budget deficit reduction. There's plenty plenty to crow about. uh, And and I think uh, that will continue to be the case. So uh, this isn't the end of it. Democrats are actually in a very good position. Like I said earlier, I think you're going to see more Democratic victories than we expected this year, just as we were surprised by Democratic performance in the midterm election. So it's not doom and gloom, but the, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, this is going to leave a mark. Let me put it that way. So to be clear, uh, I don't agree with the idea that other Democrats 
planted these documents in order to undermine Joe Biden's no, chances for no, 2024. I think that did, I think that conspiracy theory is bullshit. But I'm open to this other one. I'm open because I realize, and no one's been talking about this quite as much as I have on this show over the past at least past few years, that Donald Trump was replacing people in the federal bureaucracy, certainly right. in the Secret Service, with loyalists. That was oh, one yeah. of the things that was uh, often reported at the time while Trump was president, and certainly we've been seeing ramifications since he's been president. And and so that could remain a real thing. And and there isn't any evidence to this extent yet. We're just, no. we're merely talking about a theory. So I am going to remain skeptical of this theory, but uh-huh. I'm open to the possibility that evidence could emerge indicating that the documents may have been planted. So that's where well, <laughs> my days, typically nuanced position on this. These days, nothing would surprise me. So I'll, I'll leave that door open as well. Okay. And, and you're right about the Secret Service. Uh, as I understand it, Biden will not speak about sensitive matters in the presence of Secret Service agents. He will order them out of the room or yeah. step away from them. Smart. Uh, he, he doesn't want them because he knows there are Trump loyalists among them. Uh, he's smart enough to avoid them and uh, avoid them overhearing anything I, I wonder i have wondered maybe it was since secret service agents do have access to biden's house and garage uh maybe they helped find some of those things uh, i i don't i don't know or you know a- again planning maybe I, I i don't know but i know that the secret service and other officials in the u.s government can't be trusted by this president we have immense intelligence capabilities we have immense counter espionage right. capabilities There are ways to weed out people who are attempting to, for example, undermine the presidency from the seat of the Secret Service. That is a coup as far as I'm concerned. If that is really happening, there is an attempted coup underway. And so in that regard, I would have to believe that whether it's the Joint Chiefs, whether it's the CIA, whether it's the NSA, if there's some sort of foreign involvement in all of this, the FBI, elements of the Secret Service, the Secret Service Inspector General, the uh, Homeland Security Inspector General, for example, could discover whether there's something along these lines happening with Trump loyalists attempting to undermine Joe Biden. And so if something is going on, I'm... If I were to put a percentage on it, uh, I'd say I'm 80% certain that the culprits would be discovered. Maybe I'm I'm overly uh, uh, reliant on institutions in that regard, but uh, I don't think I'm understating the the possibility, though. Well, you know, I I would like to hope for the best, but I... I think certainly this should be investigated that it, it yeah. you know if if there's any question about this uh, there there should be an investigation uh you know biden knows biden's people know if this if these things were planted i don't think they were uh, at all in the case of the office that, that uh, where they were first discovered. Mm. Uh, I can't say uh, about his house and garage. Well, obviously, there weren't as many serious documents in that house slash garage next to his Corvette. Did I mention he's driving a Corvette? He's got a Corvette (laughs) in his garage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe Biden's got a Corvette. (laughs) 
dark Brandon's driving a cool car. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, a lot of those documents weren't uh, as serious as they're made to seem. So, um, right. a lot but of this, being, there's this false equivalency, uh, especially by the media, to try to portray both sides. It's like I said about CBS when CBS first broke the story. This was a chance for them to win back some of their red hat viewers they've lost over the last seven years. Yeah, uh, and they're working toward that. That's what they want. They want a bigger audience. Period. I mean, I would say that the Republican reaction to this is act- is undermining the case to defend Donald Trump. <laughs> that, yeah. that they're actually making a case against Donald Trump in a roundabout kind of way. I would say that if it actually mattered anymore. It, it, does, it just doesn't matter what no. they're saying. And because we're in the post-hypocrisy era, post-truth, post-consistency, post-hypocrisy, none of that matters. They're making a I, case, and, and it just it's completely irrelevant when it comes to the conflict with the Donald Trump case. You know what I mean? You, you know, everybody can make their own decisions, uh, but uh, you've just stated the case for why I've started blocking more Republicans on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, I am, we're all seeing, and yeah. a, a number of people have noted, noted this, we're all seeing more posts by Republican liars. I just block them immediately. I don't yeah. hesitate, and I've done one after another. And these are big names. These are big names in the Republican Party. And I suppose I should listen to them, but we are post-truth. Mm-hmm. We are post-consistency. We are post-hypocrisy. And there's so there's just no point, and you can't talk to them. So what is the point? Why torture yourself? Why torture yourself, man? I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I say block these people. That's what I do. Everybody can make their own decision, but it just makes my life happier and and i feel good in blocking them don't let me forget i have a theory for why this is happening on twitter i have an idea as to how this is occurring that it seems shittier than it's ever been before i'm talking about twitter i think the number of zero followers uh uh, troll accounts in my replies the number of republicans in my main feed and so on i have an idea for why this is happening good i want to hear that it has to do with elon musk duh (laughs) all right we're gonna take one last Uh break back with more show right after these words okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. friend Jason K and Prehab. Yeah. I love this song. It's called The Boy with the Matches. Here I oh. am. Stand 
And the uh, album is called Standards Volume 1 Prehab. Jason K just announced the other day that they're getting ready to record a brand new album. So I can't wait for that. Uh, BobSeska.com, yeah. yeah. Bob Seska plays the best music. I worked at a, a, a pop radio station, Top 40 station in San Diego uh, for a while, and it awesome. was uh, called Magic Magic 91. And uh, their slogan was, and the receptionist would answer the phone by saying, Magic 91 plays the best music. <laughs> And, and, but today, awesome. today I would say Bob Seska <laughs> plays the best music. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Prehab and Young Gun Silver Fox, for sure. Oh, BobSeska.com, uh, just click this episode, and we've got links for all the bands right there. i got got nice. Bandcamp links today for you, so you can uh, just download right away. Buy and download. Okay, uh, and BobSeska.com slash music to submit your work to the show. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I wanted to mention Twitter real quick. Yes. Uh, I think what Elon Musk is doing is deliberately mixing it up in our timelines. I think he's deliberately sending us incendiary Twitter users (laughs) to create more shovel fights on Twitter, therefore increasing engagement, therefore increasing revenue for whoever his advertisers are at this point. That's why blocking those clowns is magic. Yeah, yeah. And in that process, I think that's also why we're seeing quite a few zero follower trolls in our replies. I'm seeing lots and lots of them. I mean, literally, people, brand new accounts with zero follows, people who just started an account in order to reply to whatever it is I'm saying on Twitter. And I think a lot of people are seeing that uh, phenomenon occur too. Uh, It used to happen. I mean, it would occasionally happen in the old times, in the before times. But since Elon Musk took over and very clearly has made his mandate all about increasing the headbutting, the poisonous, toxic discourse on Twitter, uh, It's you can really see it. You can really... This is what happens <laughs> when you crazies. put a billionaire in charge. This is what happens when you put a businessman in charge. That's right. Uh, you know, this is business. This is what some people still think they want in their government. I don't even like it in business. So uh, I want to talk about this Keenan Anderson video. Uh, yeah, we have to. That I watched for the first time Friday before we recorded the after party. So I had a few things to say about that on the after party, but uh, just to reiterate the importance of the story, I'd like to talk about it here. Uh, In case you don't know, there's this guy named Keenan Anderson, who's a high school teacher. He's a father of, of one boy, I believe. And he was in a traffic accident in LA and uh, may have been intoxicated. I think that's been the report that's come back. And he was, uh, you know, skipping to the end real quick, he was tasered to death. He was tasered at point-blank range to the point where they held the taser gun against his, what I think is his chest, and just kept firing away. And yeah, later, I think in the hospital is when he succumbed to that, when he actually died. So it wasn't like with George Floyd. I think George Floyd died on the scene. Uh, Keenan Anderson did not. Keenan Anderson died later, but it doesn't matter. It's this continuing, I think, racially motivated overreaction by cops in these sorts of situations. And Buzz, the thing that I keep going back to, and I'd love to get your view on all of this, is... What's the harm if he had gotten away? What's the harm if he had just what was the leapt out of his car, run down the street? Yeah, 
and then ended up in a bar somewhere or back at home where guess what? They can look at his auto registration. They could eventually find him if they're really desperate to Knock arrest someone. Right. But what is the need to employ lethal force to someone who was just in a, a fender bender well, in you know residential LA or whatever the hell this they, was? They, they would argue that it's, that it's not lethal force, uh, that, that that was not the intention, that if it had been lethal force, he would have used his gun, not his taser. Uh, they didn't intend for the victim to die. Uh, but, but none of that matters because you're right. Uh, this in no way is uh, keeping the public peace. What is it they paint on the side of cop cars and to, some to protect and serve, to serve, yeah. to serve and protect? Yeah. Uh, in what way does this protect the community? This particular act of law enforcement pulling this guy over in the first place, much less what it escalated to death. Yeah. Uh, was any was any of this necessary to protect the public? I I don't think so. And 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 uh, you know the LAPD. I mean, I think we should point out and there are there are a lot of bad cop shops in the country yeah. the LAPD has been consistently for decades one of the worst yeah and uh, they set an example and uh, we've been sort of brainwashed about the police over the years a lot of us <laughs> a lot of people my age grew up with cowboy shows and there was a sheriff in town uh, a lot of us uh, of, of all ages have grown up with cop shows mm -hmm. uh, the, the show that is considered most to blame for our unfortunate uh, you know rose-colored glasses view of the police is dragnet it all started with dragnet really? dragnet dragnet was made in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, it was for them a propaganda tool. Yeah. And it was used as such. Jack Webb was used as such in, in the making of that series. And every cop show since has followed the dragnet pattern. And even shows I love today, I, I get a real kick out of The Rookie on ABC. And, and I will say that that and some other cop shows I've watched have briefly addressed uh, police violence, but I also note they have moved on from that. And, and, and so we're still getting this rose-colored view of police departments, whether you're watching a higher-minded show like Law & Order, which can teach us about the legal process, but it still paints the police and prosecutors as being totally honest, totally above board, and totally fair, and uh, that's a false image. And and uh, I think we need to be more aware of the brainwashing that's been done here and uh, take a more realistic look at police across the country, but starting in L.A. Oh, yeah, by the way, I also wanted to add here, just real quick by way of a, a correction, they had the taser uh, point blank pressed up against Keenan Anderson's back. Yeah, at his that body. Point, it yeah. His body. At that point, they had already been able to roll him over onto his chest. That's what I thought I saw. Yeah. yeah, but the thing that I was thinking of is when he was on his back and they were threatening to taser him. Right. Got, the cop kept saying, "You're going to taser you. You're going to taser you. You got to roll over onto your back." That's the fucking awful conundrum of it, because right. at that point in time, Keenan Anderson was on his back, uh -huh. and there was one cop who had his forearm slash elbow on Keenan Anderson's throat. Mm -hmm. So you think at that point, if Keenan Anderson had followed the orders to roll over onto his stomach so they could cuff him, if they had, if he had actually started to do that, that would have exacerbated the, the situation. It would have seemed like to these uh, over the top, these overzealous cops 
that he was trying to wiggle free when in fact all he was trying to do is follow the instructions to roll and, over onto his stomach. And that's the no-win right, situation right, of it. Right, because you've got one cop who's holding him in place and another cop who's ordering to turn over and yeah. those two things are not compatible, which goes to police training in addition to uh, overzealousness. And I assure you, if I were in a hit and run, if I were Keenan Anderson, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to walk around the corner to 7-Eleven and get a bottle of water. <laughs> I assure you, I would not have been tasered like this. I would not have been ordered to get on my knees with my hands on my head and this, this, this ridiculous overreaction to nothing but an accident call. Right. I mean, we're not talking about larceny. We're not talking about robbery. No we're died. not talking no about some maimed. sort of physical yeah. assault. Right. We're talking about a traffic accident here. And the overreaction stems exactly from what you think it stems from. It stems from racism. It stems from uh, racial profiling and saying, well, that guy looks like a criminal, so we're going to treat that guy this way. But if it's a white guy, we're not going to be nearly as harsh. And, and that's the injustice in all of this. I mean, the, the founder of BLM, who's the cousin of yes. Keenan Anderson, said, you know what he needed? He needed a fucking ambulance. He didn't need a fucking cop car. Right. He was in an accident. It's entirely possible that a lot of his erratic behavior came from the fact that he had just been in an accident. You ever been in an accident? I've been in an accident. You're way off balance. You're in shock. Right. You're maybe right. injured in some way. You're not thinking clearly. And they right. also found, I think, marijuana and cocaine in his system, which, God damn it, shock horror. This is, again, a reaction that completely outweighs the, uh, the actual thing that happened. Black men know that yeah. the penalty for a traffic infraction can be death. They know exactly that every time right. they leave their homes, every time they go to and from their jobs. Yeah, yeah. So, and now he's dead. Another dead black man uh, murdered by cops. And as he pleads for the cops, pleads for someone to help him. As we went into the King holiday weekend, yeah. no less, uh, it, so many years later. Shocking. And uh, the, I think the most depressing aspect of all of this is when does it end and who's going to have the political will to say, hey, you know what? I know the Republicans demagogue crime all the time and they make it this a political football. Mm -hmm. But you know what? <sighs> Fuck them. It's that demagoguery that's causing the training, the overreaction. And this is not anything new. I think any uh, black person will tell you that we're seeing this more often because of the prevalence of body cams and dash cams and cell phones. But this has been going on a long time, and it emerges out of this political drive to demagogue crime and it's not just crime the demagoguery of crime comes from this place of yeah what we really mean is black people right and and so this emerges the uh the fear of oh my god black person and, doing and something lot, weird oh but we, well, we have to overreact to it a, a lot of white americans respond to this say well he should have obeyed the police if mm -hmm. he'd obeyed the police this wouldn't have happened yeah well and, it, and, yeah uh, it's uh, easier uh, said and, than and, done yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah. they well they they didn't allow it they on one hand as i said they ordered him to turn over on the other hand they physically restrained him from doing so mm -hmm. uh, and then because he didn't cooperate uh, they killed him. Right. It feels redundant. It feels reductive almost to say that it, it, it was unnecessary for them to do what they did. 
that's the the frustration in all of this because it's obvious it's obvious to anyone who has a moral core why do we have to keep explaining the obvious yes. right 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 so uh, another immense tragedy at the hands of cops who need better training uh need better uh sensitivity when it comes to situations like this and the militarization of the police has got to be rolled back. I don't know how that happens because, again, you need votes to do that, and it's just and a matter of finding those votes. Meanwhile, the bodies of young black men pile up. <laughs> exactly. How many more? How many more of these are we going to talk about? Jesus. All right. Uh, real quick, before we wrap up the show, listener Corey alerted me to the latest ridiculousness about the border. Speaking of uh, racially driven fear. Yes. Um, this is what Greg Abbott said on CNN the other day. Oh, Under Trump... We had the lowest number of apprehensions. Under Biden, we have had the highest. Somehow he thought this was a slam against, I know. <laughs> against Joe Biden. That's actually a compliment of Joe Biden. It is. If we've had the highest number of apprehensions, isn't that what's supposed to happen? I, let's put it this way. If uh, George W. Bush had stopped the 9-11 terrorists at the security checkpoints where they got on the airplanes then that would have been a great thing. That would have been positive, wouldn't it? <laughs> and just from a simple logic standpoint, uh, the reason there have been more apprehensions primarily is because there have been more people right. trying to get into this country to escape uh, the violence and oppression of their own countries. Yes, indeed. So uh, to be clear, half the country is just out to lunch. They have no idea Sadly, yes. what is... I. This is one of those things. This is one of those issues, one of those talking points coming from Republicans that continues to confound me. That they can just, someone like Greg Abbott can just point blank say, mm -hmm. away yeah, I mean, uh, Joe Biden's capturing more people at the border than Donald Trump did, but that's bad I, news for Joe Biden. It's just... I, I read in one of the Nordic countries, maybe Finland, uh, they're, uh, they've added a course for elementary school students about misinformation and how to spot it ah good we need we need that here our, our, the greatest problem the root of all these problems is the lack of education and the lack of reliable information indeed all right well we have to notify the affiliates we've run a little long today which we uh, then i've won yeah. i win <laughs> uh but we still have more show to come on the shadow docket on our patreon page when yes. this music stops playing we keep on talking and we call that uh, portion of the podcast the Shadow Docket. It appears at patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. And when you sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show, you, uh, and you get the Shadow Docket or access to that show, you have to listen on the Patreon page or on the Patreon app, or if you can figure it out, you can put the Patreon RSS feed into your favorite podcast player. I have no idea how that works. Don't no, ask me how it works. I've never done it myself. We have I, a tape here somewhere. <laughs> I have no idea how to do it, but apparently it can be done because I know many listeners who do that, who put the yes. Patreon feed into their MP3 player. Maybe you can find another Bob Seska Show listener who can talk you through that process or <laughs> Good luck. Google it or something. But regardless, you have to listen on the Patreon page or in the Patreon app when you get the shadow docket. So... Uh, again, that website address is patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. $5 a month for the Shadow Docket. And uh, on today's program, I don't know why I call it a program, uh, I got a, a, a very special surprise gift. Uh -huh. 
the other day, and I got to talk about this. I made a video about it on my Instagram, by the way. So if you want to go to alert, Instagram, by the way, yeah. nerd alert. Oh my God, I am world class dork in this video. Just, <laughs> I, I had a text. Kimberly was away, and I had to just, I sent her a text message. Your guy is a huge dork. I just want to let you know. <laughs> so we're gonna be talking about this surprise gift on the Shadow Docket, and a whole lot more. See you over there, folks. Bye bye.